This is a podcast of one's own, episode number seven. And today we're going to talk about men's rights activism. Um, I'm Katarina, and I'm here today with Esther. Hello. Hello, Esther. And Victoria. Hello. Yeah, and um, the headline I gave the session, because it was my ses session, was um, Enemy Lines. And I think um, we just have to talk about who the enemies of feminism actually are and who we're told they are, um, and whether there's a need for such a movement as the men's rights activism movement. Because um, obviously men can be, be tools of the patriarchy and behave in, in toxic or violent ways, and feminism usually contests that behavior um, and says that women are still oppressed by structural um, and physical violence perpetrated by men. So, um, but yeah, then there's this sort of backlash from some men, um, because obviously, like, apparently the idea of having like 95% of the cake instead of 99 seems to freak some men out <laughs> to a degree that they felt the need to have their own movement. Um, so yeah, um, who, who are men's rights activists and why are they so, so angry and who are they angry with? Um, and I think it's important to say that most men's rights activists are angry with the patriarchy. Um, they don't know who to blame and therefore they lash out against feminism and against women um, because they feel like they're losing the game of capitalism and power. Um, so the um, sort of the foundation for the, the discussion that we had in the session was the documentary The Red Pill by American um, former actress and ex-feminist Cassie J. So she, a little bit on her background, she was a Hollywood actress and she was kind of um, sick of playing the hot blonde who got killed by troubled men in every single movie she was cast for. And when she um, ventured out to do the documentary, she kind of had a feminist agenda because she claimed she has been a feminist her entire life. And she expected to call the men's rights activists out um, on their bias and but in the end um, spoiler alert she decides not to call herself a feminist anymore and the movie got a lot of buzz because it was banned from cinemas in New Zealand and Australia due to protests uh, so when I watched the movie and I did my research I thought I thought maybe the documentary would hold some kind of potent power and would sway me into the other direction but it really really didn't um, so, yeah, we um, in the session we watched, obviously we didn't watch the whole thing, but we watched the, the trailer, mm -hmm. an extended version, eight minutes long, and I think you get quite a good impression on what, what the documentary is about. And I just, what, what did you think of it when we watched it? I mean, <laughs> I got really <laughs> upset. Yeah. But, uh, and I think we all did. Um, it was... I felt like I was constant, like the whole time we were watching, I was waiting for, like I was waiting to hear something that would have some, like, yeah. like, like one sound argument, which didn't really happen because I've learned a lot in the, in the past few years about the, like certain areas of feminism where, where men are really disadvantaged by the patriarchy as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting to hear those about those, 
but what they were bringing up were like petty things that don't even I, I, like they they were they were picking words and like focusing on small things that didn't even matter and and then what they focused on i think the whole time was how men how men are so how, how men are oppressed by not being allowed to sh- share their emotions or mm. uh, have have deep and sincere relationships and conversations mm. uh, and the thing is that that they but they blamed they didn't the word patriarchy didn't come up once no exactly um, so they blamed feminism for all of that they were like there's so much media coverage and attention mm-hmm. given to women's issues why is there no um voice for men which is actually what the website of one of the people in the I documentary is was called one of my problems with it was that I understand where she was coming from, from a documentary point of view, mm-hmm. but I don't think she prepared well. I don't think mm-hmm. she did her homework, homework, sorry. No. Um, I don't think it was a fair way to present the men's rights activist because she got convinced by, air quote, left, <laughs> convinced, um, by men who then, when we made a simple Google search on the session, we found mm-hmm. out they are deeply misogynistic. So yeah. it's not just, you know, she interviewed some men who... They weren't saying these deeply yeah. misogynistic things in the movie, mm-hmm. but when you Google their names, they're yeah. very, they're so, not just looking to, like, for, to express their mm-hmm. emotions yeah. as like yeah. multifaceted men they're so, they're actually misogynists so yeah, to give like exactly. a bit of background on that um on a side note for all those who haven't watched the documentary um so one of the people she spoke to um and he got quite a lot of attention in the documentary his name's Paul Lamb he's the creator of the website a voice for men um and obviously a spokesperson for the men's rights activists and when you google like when you go to the website you find headlines such as Study reveals female rape victims enjoyed the experience. October is the fifth annual Bash of Violent Bitch Month, or all women are pedophiles and that's all they are. And the thing yeah. about like the thing about her um, documentary is that she does. I'm pretty sure she knew about that. There's no way that I you go in that. as a journalist and do a documentary. Otherwise, you're just a shitty journalist. That's absolutely garbage. But then that's also, but then she didn't challenge him on that. She didn't like. But and bring she, it up. I mean, once. she she did defend that in mm-hmm. the sense of she was like, I I came into the project thinking that I would just like go in, not interrupt, not try to like seek or like confrontate, like mm-hmm. yeah, be confrontational. She was just gonna open let up talk. and let them mm-hmm. talk. But the fact like she was talking, I'm I'm like baffled by this piece of. Doc- I think I one of like, the problems. I think it's just like so poorly researched because if she had done the research even to begin with, mm. she would have understood that what she was doing was totally like it was redundant because the the issues that they're bringing up, the arguments that, that these yeah. men's rights activists are are saying that this is a problem for men, mm. that is all discussed. That that's actually not like it's not on the front line of public like of social media right like as as much as it should be but it is a central part of feminism Mm -hmm. yeah and that's where she did like that's where her biggest mistake was i think yeah i think i had 
other two big problems within. One mm -hmm. was a confirmation bias, meaning that it was Purdue research. I think it was severely critical. We, we watched your TED talk and it was really a poor, like poorly critically written piece. Like if you were to submit, we are university based group, if we were to submit a work like that at uni, we would get a 30%. Because there was no sort of counter-argument, there was no research made to counter-argue those points. And also the problem with that is that because she has a TED talk and she has a documentary and that makes her look well-rounded, legitimate, yeah, yeah. people who are looking for that are going to look at that and think, see, somebody is giving me proof. And not mm -hmm. everybody is interested enough in the topic to go and do their own research, and that's fair. There are some topics where I just take them at face value, and that's going to be taken as face value, and mm -hmm. this leads me to my second problem, which is all the documentary does is, I think she was trying to unite people, but all that does is divide the groups even more you know there's that saying divide et impera like divide and then lead because when you divide society into groups that hate each other it's easier to lead and it's easier to force your power onto them mm -hmm. and i think that's what exactly what this documentary encourages and you know it makes it worse because now we have on one hand this this one documentary that has created that has made these a public uh, like a public opinion sort of topic, sort of issue, whereby there's one group, feminism, who, I mean, obviously in my opinion, rightfully so, <laughs> says, you know, this is not a well-done piece of work. There are some issues with it. There is no critical evaluation of it. But then on the other side, there's the other group of people who's saying, oh no, but this is exactly what I think too. And if somebody gives me the the acknowledgement that this is actually what happens and we're gonna just keep fighting with one another. I mean, if we just went and looked at the comments on the YouTube channel, right? People were all, raving about it. People were so it. excited about it. Like, finally, someone that talks about finally, this issue. Finally, a woman who acknowledges Exactly. It's, again, it's just people that find something and they're happy with what they find so they don't dig deeper. Yeah. And so if we even, like, moving away from the, this particular documentary and just talk mm. about the men's rights movement in general, there are what like the arguments that they're making are not made up like that's fine i understand like there mm. are differences and mm. men suffer mm. but the 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 whole point of having a men's rights movement that's that's vilifying feminism that that's not that makes no sense because yeah. every single issue that men's rights activism brings up is talked about within feminism and valued and really like paid attention to within feminism as well. Like it's part of the whole feminist agenda to sort these things out because they're there is a recognition that is problem. Yeah. yeah, I just I thought it was interesting how when she said to like when she was going to do the documentary, she in her TED talk claimed that she 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 was a self proclaimed feminist and she said that she um, saw men as her enemy for like the entire time and yeah. I'm like. I thought... But that's your like, problem. That's, that's yeah, how you define your then. feminism. Because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are other people, like other women, who kind of see men as the enemy as well, because some men actually are enemies mm. of feminism. Um, but not in general. Like, you yeah, can't no. just condemn an entire uh, sex. And I also just, think there was a problem, like, just getting away from the documentary, just mm. what, what, what Esther was saying before. There is a focus on trying to solve the 
issue like the symptom rather than eradicate the system that creates the symptom mm-hmm. for example one of the things that we discussed in the sections which i thought was really interesting and mm-hmm. like stimulating was the fact that some of the men's rights activists again rightfully mentioned the fact that men not in numbers mm-hmm. in the percentages die more in wars mm-hmm. and that's true because more men go to war yeah you know and more of them suffer from ptsd again true because more men go to war mm-hmm. and are part of the army and the air force for structural reasons that is that women were not allowed in the army air force or in their ways armed force up until a very recent point mm-hmm. and then because historically they have been the ones who have you know gone to war more and i appreciate that and i think that's such an important issue there should be systematic approach where men are granted the right support but also that is not a problem of feminism because just like i think one of the members was saying like the solution is not just send more people to war mm-hmm. the solution is find another system to just solve political to war yes yeah, exactly that would be there's there's a i think the basis and and we get to the big c every time i think the mm-hmm. basis that we miss is that we shouldn't fight just like we should all unite to fight the big c capitalism <laughs> and neoliberalism and and just in general that's the issue whereby patri- the patriarchal society develops from and where differences stem from and that's where the injustice is laid in and i think we overlook that that's my TED talk I we guess. were talking about like so just to break it down a little bit for from a listener perspective. So a lot of the arguments that were brought up in the documentary and that are mainly brought up within the men's rights activist movement uh, are the, like, sort of society's stigmatization of men showing emotions and talking about feelings and opening up about mental health. We, we like, all the statistics that are brought forward by men's rights activism, uh, activists on the, like, that suicide is the biggest yeah. killer mm-hmm. of men under 45. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't remember exactly what the numbers are, but I think it's almost like four out of five suicides are made, like made, are by men. Mm, and I think, that, yeah. So the ones, yeah, men are three times more likely to kill themselves. Three um, times more likely. Yeah. Um, so the, and that's all true, mm-hmm. and that's really important. And then we're talking about how domestic violence mm. we were that that was also brought up in yeah. the documentary yeah. how how so, yeah. there's a big shadow number of men, men not being mm. able to come forward and talk about being abused uh, in their in their homes but then which again it comes back to the social stigma um yeah. obviously men are not as likely to report assault or I, I don't even know, like, because a lot of women don't report us all either. No, exactly. So, so like, that, the that's that a they, really difficult one to Yeah, no, about. the thing that they were saying was that they claimed that most, almost as many men suffer from domestic violence as women, yet there's no media interest in male victims. And that's why um, there are no shelters for men, there are only shelters for women, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, also it's, not just, true. it's just not true. And that's just a thing that... Because even if there's a number of men who won't report assault, we just have to, we just have to look at the, we the numbers. We have to work with what we have right now. We just have to look at the numbers and just acknowledge that it's not true. And um, also, so just when we look at the numbers, 55% of female homicide victims are killed by 
their partner or a former partner. And in comparison, only 4% of homicide of male homicide victims are killed by their female partner, often in self-defense. Mm -hmm. These numbers just show that it's it's not like it's disproportionate. And um, it's very easy to report statistics in a way mm -hmm. that seems like in a one-sided way that makes it seem that, mm -hmm. it, that it supports your argument but when you look at when you look at deeper layers then you understand that that's not the case such mm -hmm. as uh, the statistics on men being killed by their female partners mm -hmm. but when you if you would just omit the part where it's mostly in self-defense mm -hmm. it's yeah. probably even it less. means a and lot something one, yeah. totally different and what the documentary also doesn't acknowledge is just the physical difference. If we look, yeah. obviously there are women who are um, taller and stronger than their partners, but in general, yeah. generally speaking, men are taller, stronger than women, they have more lean muscle mass. And if, um, if they get into an argument, women are much more likely to throw things from a distance or to like slap someone maybe, and men are much more likely to punch or strangle their yeah. partner. And this is it's just like the physical force. Yeah. And in the documentary, there was a scene where um, uh, men talked about being um, abused by, by his wife. And then he would say that often during an argument, he would leave the house so his neighbors could see that he wasn't the perpetrator. Yeah. And just the fact that he was able to leave the house yeah. shows how, like... Yeah. From a different perspective, the woman shows might just probably, how different might not it is. The woman be able would to not the house. physically be able to leave the house if the partner didn't want her to. The, that being said, mm. I think there is an issue with the. I mean, there's something that I've always thought was very important: the lack of um, shelters for men. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important because, I mean, if you look, I know there are LGBT shelters, but you know mm. there, there is a need for more shelters for men. I think we looked at that. Um, even when we, I think at some point we wanted to donate to a shelter for men and a shelter for women yeah. and we couldn't find a shelter for men in Scotland and I think I mean maybe that was our lack of research mm -hmm. but in general I think that's a problem and I get that and I think mm -hmm. that should be highlighted and that is so important but when then it is framed as if we women are taking away the shelters from men by creating more shelters for women then that's, that's wrong yeah. because those shelters for women are still going to exist they're because so there's be because they're, they're full. They are full. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's and, not about taking shelters away from right. women and giving it's them to like, men, just creating more we, shelters. We should, we, yeah. The yeah. solution is not let's have less shelters for women and more mm. shelters for men. Because that is, I mean, that is, doesn't make sense. The solution is let's keep those shelters for women and keep donating to them because they're, they're doing super important work. While at the same time, encouraging maybe certain... Uh, charities if they have the funds or other social entrepreneurship uh, activities mm -hmm. to also create shelters and structures for men because like, those are it's important a, it's too. a perfect example of where like equity for equity's sake makes zero sense yeah. why would we have the same number of shelters for men as for women just because it had to be equal mm. and then the majority of them are going to be empty yeah that's just a waste of space and everyone's mm. time. And some of them will be full and that and they're needed. But yeah, basically. but exactly. There's another part that we haven't talked about yet that's the um that is really important. And again, stressing this is part of feminism, which is why mm. it's so upsetting that the feminist movements are being sort of 
demonized as fighting the men's rights activists. Which I guess we're criticizing them mean, now, but we're yeah, not we're not yeah. we're not criticizing their the need for equality for men as well. We're just saying that this is what we're I don't doing. think we're criticizing what they're saying. I think that we're just Some criticizing the up- yeah. Like some claims already I think we're just criticizing the approach. The, they, they found the, the areas where they feel these activists have found areas that, where they are disadvantaged and, and they are but they've not looked further to yeah, see exactly. why that's they what, are that's what I was they, saying they've just said, said yeah we're, this is a pattern that we see for men so clearly women are at fault for this at yeah. fault for it mm-hmm. rather than so the patriarchy is filtering down to so, forces. So maybe we should talk about some of the issues that they yeah. brought up, which were more understandable or more relatable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just to point out that this is something that feminism has to do with it as well. Like we were yeah. interested in that. And one of the things they brought up is the court's lack of interest in a man as parents. Mm-hmm. So um, often they, if a case goes to court, um, they're fighting for custody, they often lose it because, and if, women don't put the name of the father on the birth certificate, there's nothing you can do because you can't force yeah. force them to take a test or whatever. Um, but then again, like when the men's rights activists blame women for that and blame feminism for that, it doesn't go anywhere because these are issues that men and women have to fight for together because yeah. being like happy co-parenting should be in everyone's interest and is in everyone's interest yeah. because of course men should be able to see their children grow up and women shouldn't feel like they're responsible for working and raising the kids at the same time like that. Again, it should be mm-hmm. raised with the judicial system mm-hmm. and the, the legal system. Mm-hmm. It's not something that feminism or women have sadly has historically shown any power on, you know. Mm-hmm. Like approaching these issues that men face in in court when it comes to parenting or when it comes to parental leave, uh, like when it comes to custody battles, but also when it comes to getting time off work to be with your child mm-hmm. when it's born. Um, so paternal leave and, and custody, it's... Oh, what was I saying? No. Oh, my God. Um, saying that, uh, like, attacking... The feminist movement for being for stop like for preventing this. Mm-hmm. I would I would I would argue that the feminist movement is the only way to like yeah. to to solve it because that they're the only ones that are actually talking about it. Yeah. In order to Men find need feminism in a way. Yeah. I'd say yeah. Um, and I mean, sorry, I'm just going to interrupt again. Mm. If if there is a, f- a need within the movement to create safe space for men, mm-hmm. which is kind of like an oxymoron and a paradox, but let me grant me the, mm-hmm. the poetical uh, license. <laughs> if there is a need to say, hey, we get that, you know, there is there are a lot of like activist groups that do a lot of different mm-hmm. things. The main the main thing is intersectionality and equality for all. Granted if men want to have a a, a movement where within themselves they want to, you know, talk about their shared experiences because it's important to have like support groups and whatever that's fine but i don't think that should be like done by you know um ostracizing themselves from feminism or like again like we said believing that feminism is the the, the, the evil 
Whereas I think for like Esther was saying, and within this this topic of, for example, parental leave, it could be it would be such a powerful statement if feminism and well, I'm gonna say men's right activists, but obviously what I mean by it is men who have <laughs> their own rights at heart. Because mm-hmm. I just think the movement that movement has created kind of a a different definition for itself. Mm-hmm. It would be really powerful if men and women alike were to unite and propose policies and show unity and unification and show support within each other. I think that would make such a more powerful statement rather than like bigger, basically. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think what upsets me the most about how about the extreme men's rights activist m- movement is that it's really like it's really really dangerous to pick out certain issues that that are that that the patriarchy is at fault for and just deal with them especially when it came comes to when what men are suffering from imagine if like i personally don't even think it's possible to solve these problems without raising women like without empowering women Mm. but say it was possible how dangerous is it not to have a big group of people fighting for only men's rights, getting them to be more, taking up more space in every, in the few, few areas that they don't have space. Well, the feminist movement Which is not making because progress. women need safe spaces. <laughs> I just think it's a really scary scenario to, to see people that are like super, super passionate about, about ending oppression but only for the people that are already not oppressed, not oppressed. <laughs> you, 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 just, you get what I'm coming from yeah. like it's really really it's terrifying to me yeah. to be honest I think it's there's a misunderstanding fear. I think we said that mm-hmm. that somebody's gonna take away your privilege when you're privileged they're furious no they're gonna take that away from me I don't think it's just power. This is a very controversial opinion. But you opinion. are not entitled to the power. This mm. is a very controversial opinion. I think privilege is what everybody should strive for, not what you should take away from people. Like, in my, in my view, the aim is not to strip away privilege from one group specifically, but the point is to provide the same privilege to all of the rest of the yeah. groups and the minorities. So, so thereby you would sort of eradicate privilege altogether. Yeah, yeah but what I mean, if you look at it in the other way, I think it's just a, a matter of language. If you say we want to take away your privilege, or if that's what mm. people view as, if then they're going to feel scared. As, like, get, like you are in a position like where an you, extra. Can, you, can, yeah. you can take things for granted. Yeah, basically. Or like, I mean, it depends. What I'm trying to, for example, look at is the idea that you know we're not trying to say men should be at a level where they experience the same sort of systematic oppression as us. That is not the goal. Mm-hmm. The goal is not to bring everybody to a level so to a level where they feel like they're a minority. Mm-hmm. The point is to take the minorities and elevate them to the point where they have the same privilege. Air quote. Privileges, air quotes, in the sense that they can live a peaceful life without feeling yeah. oppressed. That is what mm-hmm. like I tried to say. And I think language-wise, what is really important is that we highlight that. Because I think a lot of people who have never come to contact with minority groups or have never mm-hmm. come to contact with activist groups don't really realize that that's the point. I think there's, a, especially from mainstream media, although it, it appears that it's different, it's really not, 
like it's different right now, it's really not. I think there's a focus on saying, well, they're trying to take away that from us, but we're not trying to take away, like, exactly, like, we're not taking away anything from anybody, we just want our own rights. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, uh, that's where the problem, and this makes sense, I promise, that's where one of the problems with, with men's right activities is, is because they, there is this overview that we take things away from one another, like there's a piece of cake, Mm, and yeah. there's only one slice and we keep battling for that mm. and that's not true you know and I think that's what makes them then vilify feminism because if you say well they're trying to take something away from me yeah. which means that if they have it then I don't have it mm. and that is why they're mean you know yeah it's not it's like a twisted one, point it's not of like view it's one excuse but like binary sort of yeah it, it's that, a twisted point of view it's not like we were saying well women need to be able to talk about their feelings so we're going to take, take that slice yeah, exactly. so we can't have it exactly. that's not what's happening and I think there's where the biggest misunderstanding comes from and I think that's where the biggest div- div- divisions come from I think once we install in people the idea that the point is that we should all have the same rights equal rights and we shouldn't live in a system where if you have rights the other person don't then that would be a good starting point. I think my English didn't make much sense there, but yes. But that was kind of the conclusion of the session as well, because I feel like um, I I agree with you, but the problem lies within the structures that sort of confine us all, men and yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, not like sure. It lies within the patriarchal um, system that we have, because the patriarchy obviously loves the binary. Yeah, it loves to put us into opposing camps and yeah. fight over like things that do not like, and I mean, belong even to anyone, that everyone should have. Um, it's also a very neoliberal mindset, sorry to interrupt. It's a very neoliberal mindset where yeah. to gain your riches, you need to exploit someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, but I'm going to be rich. I don't care if I have to underpay them. That's ethically mm-hmm. allowed. And I think that's a mindset that then like, is influencing every aspect of our life. Mm-hmm. It's also like reducing uh, activist movements like feminine, the feminist movement to a sort of, uh, I don't know, like sort of vigilante, uh, I don't know, type thing where it's because, and people are going to think about it as like a Robin Hood type thing where it's like, yeah, take from the, from the, from the rich and give to the poor, which is not what's happening yeah. in terms of rights. Like we're we're just wanting to elevate the people that don't. We don't want to. We're not taking well, it from someone else. Yeah. But also, I kind of feel like we have to stop sort of justifying what we're doing, because I mean it's yeah. it's fair enough yeah. that we like point out, um, oh, feminism doesn't exclude men, but it gets to a point. You know when every time you talk to someone and they're like, but men, but men. Yeah, and, and you're like, like yeah, it's but that's enough. Not, I don't want to talk it's, about that anymore it's because just it's enough. getting us nowhere. Uh, we said, like, I feel like, I mean, there might be people like Cassie J who are not aware of the fact that men are not the enemies of fen- feminism. And that's really, really sad. But everyone in, I don't know, like, the feminism that I Ethics practice yeah. and that I, yeah. I'm an activist for that clearly draws the enemy lines with the structures yeah. that demean us and not men who are also tools and victims of the patriarchy. Yeah. I so, definitely agree. Like, yeah, yeah, we, need to, we yeah. need to stop justifying it. I, like, yeah. I do think that uh, the way that feminism is portrayed in the media a lot of the times as well, uh, letting that upset you or, or like making that too big of a... 
I don't know, too big of a dis disruption in your own activism or your own practice is actually just taking time from what really matters. Mm, yeah. Like our, our activism needs to be moving forwards and we're wasting time trying to mm -hmm. justify or explain that we don't hate men. Yeah. Like, but if people think that that yeah. is their like that and is their problem that if they think that, that then that they before, should go yeah. and do the research so mm -hmm. they can find out that that's not the case. So this group does not hate men, everybody. <laughs> we just don't enjoy the idea of a movement called women's rights activism because it goes under the umbrella of feminism. Yeah, and also so there's no need for it. I'm gonna Demonize sound like I'm gonna sound like one of those Hollywood execs that are like, we don't need diversity, we have one woman in our room. We have a lot of men in our family in this group. So you know we're mm. very diverse. <laughs> well that is true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean um, basically if you care about men's rights you care about feminism too. Mm. Great. Yeah, I think we can close uh, this podcast now. I, like, um, I, oh, it yeah. just shows again, like talking about capitalism as well. My favorite <laughs> thing to do. How I feel well. like I'm always the one who's like, but you know what the problem is? Capitalism. But it's but it's, it's just people. It's so true how well like the capitalism and the patriarchy go like hand in hand. Like, and the exploitation of the poor. We need a, a session next term. We've had it before, but I think we need a session next term on. We can, you can you can comment if you think it's a good idea, uh, just about like how feminism and capitalism. Uh, no, how the patriarchy and capitalism are interlinked because brothers and sisters. Because we talk about about it a lot, but it also does come up quite a lot in our sessions. The people are like, why, but why do we need to talk about capitalism though? Like, why do we need to be all political in that sense? And then I'm like, we because need to, there we is need to no equality it. within capitalism. Capitalism mm -hmm. and de democracy cannot coexist. And I would like to thank my second year world economy professor for teaching me this and giving me the economical <laughs> proof that that is true. Thank you so much. <laughs> Okay, um, thank you so much for um, coming today and next in the next episode we're going to talk about self-love and self-care, so a bit more of a... Under capitalism. Um, <laughs> under capitalism, here we go. Don't really like it so much. Um, okay, so um, till next time. Bye! Bye.